So today, uh, we are in part four, part four of the making of champions. Has this series been useful and helpful to anybody besides me? Because I feel like I'm going to preach this series through the end of the year. I just can't. I mean, every story I, I go back to, I'm like, man, that's amazing. So, so today, I, I'm going to focus on a hero of the faith that was actually known for his prayer and fasting. He was known for his prayer and fasting. He developed a pattern of prayer and fasting. And what I would like for us to do as we head into the season of life groups and we head into the 40 days of prayer and fasting at One Family Church, my prayer for us is that we would take from this individual's habits and patterns and begin to apply them to our own life so we can experience the kind of power that he experienced. I'm going to read you one verse, one and only one verse before we start the sermon today. And it's found in Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. And it says this, It says, so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. It's the only scripture I'm going to read before I start the sermon. It says, the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and they threw him into the lion's den. Today, I want to preach for the next few moments on the subject, how to shut the mouths of lions. How to shut the mouths of lions. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. We honor you. We just lift up our hearts. You are faithful. You keep running after us. We love you for who you are. We love you for what you are. We come before you with our hearts bowed in submission, humbly seeking your face, humbly seeking your mind, humbly seeking your heart. God, I pray that I would become small and you would become big. I pray, Lord God, that your word would resonate in our hearts and minds today. Transform us, strengthen us, encourage us, inspire us by the power of your word to become the people of God that you've called us to be. We love you, we honor you, we thank you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Anybody watch the Super Bowl last Sunday? I just want to know. So... So if you watched the Super Bowl last Sunday, you will know that for the first time in the 11 years of One Family Church, I actually predicted the right winner of the Super Bowl. I'm 1 and 11. I'm a pastor, not a prophet, people. Okay, I just... Now, we can discuss and debate, you know, how much the referees played into that, but that's for a different time. Some of you Eagles fans, I know how you're feeling right now. But I want to draw your attention to the very last play of the game. Very last play of the game, if you recall, the Eagles had the ball, and the center snapped the ball to Jalen Hurts, the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you recall, with 10 seconds left in the game, Jalen Hurts faded back to pass, and then he fired a, a pass into the air, and that pass, that play, they ran is known popularly as a Hail Mary. Anybody know what a Hail Mary pass is? A Hail Mary is a pass or a play that you run when you are desperate, when there is no other opportunity for you to win. When you are at the end of your rope, it is the the play of last resort. Now, if you know, if you watch the game, you know that Jalen Hurts, right before he threw the pass, inadvertently stepped on the foot of one of his linemen, threw off his balance, and his Hail Mary pass kind of wobbled in the air, landed on the 20-yard line, and that was the end of the game. 
he had thrown a Hail Mary and the Hail Mary didn't work. Now, here's what a lot of people may or may not know. That the play, the Hail Mary, is named after a prayer. It's named after a prayer. It's a, it's a, it's a traditional Roman Catholic prayer called the Hail Mary. So the question is, why is a football play named after a prayer? And I'll tell you why. Because a lot of people treat prayer like Jalen Hurts treated the last, the last play of the game. Which is, prayer is our last resort for many of us. We don't have a practice of prayer. We just have a moment of desperation. The only time we pray is when we've got no other options. The only time we pray is when we're in desperate need of some mirac miraculous event coming down. So, so, so now sometimes a Hail Mary works. Sometimes a Hail Mary works. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example. The thief on the cross threw a Hail Mary. This was his last moment, the thief on the cross next to Jesus. He had been lying and cheating and sinning and doing all of his stuff his whole life. And he's hanging on the cross. And with the last breath in his lungs, he turns to Jesus. And he says, Jesus, would you remember me when you go to your kingdom? That's a Hail Mary. That's like, this is the last, this is my last shot. I've ruined my life, but this is my last shot. And because God is graceful, and because God is forgiving, and because his mercy endures forever, and because he keeps running after us, Jesus turned to him and said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So the Hail Mary works. But wouldn't it have been amazing if the thief on the cross had spent time with Jesus, the three years of Jesus' ministry, instead of the last three minutes of his life? How different would his life have been if he had had a practice of a relationship with God rather than throwing a Hail Mary at the end of his life? When we begin to study Daniel, we see a, a, a person who doesn't just have to throw a Hail Mary. We see a person who has a practice, a habit, a discipline of prayer. So today I want to speak to somebody who wants to experience God's power in the present, not just hope in the future. I want to speak to somebody today who wants to experience God's power to resist temptation in the present. Yes, sir. I want to speak to somebody today who wants to experience God's power to fight injustice in the present. I want, to I want to speak to somebody today who wants to experience the power of God in their current life, in their present circumstances, in their present situation, rather than waiting till the end and saying, God, I'm just going to trust in your mercy. And this is where we turn to Daniel. Daniel... Many of you may know the story of Daniel. Daniel was captured out of the land of Judah when he was a young man. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar came and overcame the, the country of Judah, and, and he started taking some of the best and the brightest, the, the brightest young men in that region. And, and Daniel was one of the young men that he, that he brought. He captured him, brought him to Babylon. And he began to train Daniel in the ways of Babylon, in the teachings, in the literature, and the laws, and, 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 and the, all, all of the wisdom of Babylon. He began to train him in this. And, and Daniel was a, was a stranger in a strange land, but Daniel had a practice of prayer. Daniel, even though he was in a strange circumstance, he had a, he had a discipline that he had brought with him from his home country, and that is he would pray three times a day. In fact, he was known for praying three times a day. He prayed in the morning, he prayed at noon, and he prayed at night. He had a room on the roof of his house, and it opened towards Jerusalem. And every day he got down on his knees, and he prayed to God. And people began to notice this, and they began to recognize this. And Daniel, because he was a man of deep prayer and fasting, which I'm going to talk about next week, you, you, you will want to thank me because I had a prayer and fasting sermon prepared for today, but we would have been here till 3 in the afternoon. So I'm taking the fasting sermon to next week. 
he, he had a practice of prayer and fasting. And because of these practices, he began to grow in wisdom. He began to grow in understanding. And even though he was a foreigner in this land, he began to advance through the ranks of the Babylonian government. In fact, by the time we meet him in this story, he is currently one of three overseers and, and, and um, uh, administrators that oversaw the entire kingdom of Babylon. And the king, in this story, says, I want to take, take Daniel, because he's my number one. I want to take him, and I want to put him over everything. I want him to be my chief executive officer, my, my, my chief operating officer, my chief financial officer. I want to take him to the top. I want to make him right below me. That's what King Darius wanted to do. But how many of you, how many of you know that when God wants to advance you, the enemy wants to attack you? So, so God is saying, I want to take Daniel, uh, and I'm going to put him... The, all the way at the top. King Darius says, I'm going to take him all the way to the top. But what happens is all of the other satraps and prefects and administrators begin to get jealous of Daniel and they don't want to see him taken there. So they get themselves together and they say, how are we going to bring him down? But they couldn't find anything wrong with his character. They searched and searched and searched. They said, man, they, he's impeccable. There's nothing that we can that pull over on this guy. But he has a habit of prayer. We know he prays three times a day. So they came up with a plan that they knew would undermine Daniel. And here was their plan. They went to King Darius, the king of the Medes and the Persians, the king over all of Babylon. And they said this in, in Daniel 6, verse 6 and 7. They said, make, make King Darius live forever. They said, the royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors, the governors, they said, we've all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days, except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, here's the thing. King Darius loved Daniel. But he wasn't thinking about Daniel's prayer practice. And King Darius... When the others said, hey, we've all come together, we've all come up with this plan, he wasn't really thinking like, well, wait a minute, was Daniel part of this plan? They lied to him. They said, hey, we've all come up with this together. He said, well, if, if you've all come up to th with this together, that sounds like a good idea. Plus, if it means everybody's going to worship me, I'm down for that. For 30 days, come on, let, let, let them worship me. So it says now that, that they, they, they told King Darius, let's issue this edict. And then the king said, yes, I'm going to issue the edict. And then he issued the edict, and the edict was irrevocable. So, so imagine this. There's a law. The law says that if anybody worships anybody other than the king, they will be thrown into the lion's den. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. He had been doing this for a long time. Now, the question is, why was he giving thanks? He just learned that if he gets caught praying, he's going to be thrown into the lion's den. Why was he giving thanks? Here's why he's giving thanks. Because when you are intimate with God, then every obstacle becomes an opportunity in your mind. When you're intimate with God, you, you actually aren't afraid of problems because problems are an opportunity for God to exercise his power in you. So Daniel says, hey, here comes a problem. This is an opportunity for God to exercise his power in my problem. This is an opportunity for God to exercise his strength in my situation. So he gives thanks. Now, the men went up as a group, verse 11, 
and they found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Here's my premise for this sermon today. My premise for the sermon today is, if you want to experience the power that Daniel experienced, then we need to learn to pray like Daniel. If we want to experience the protection that Daniel experienced, then it's incumbent upon us as followers of Jesus to begin to learn how to pray like Daniel. If we want to experience the provision that Daniel experienced, then we need to learn to pray like Daniel. So what I'm, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to teach. There's going to be a Bible study today on how to pray like Daniel. There's a, there's a five-point prayer program that Daniel lays out for us. And my challenge to each and every one of you is to follow that over the next 40 days. Because when we pray like Daniel prayed and we make it a practice, it becomes a pattern in our life. And our lives begin to be transformed by the pattern of prayer. How many of you know there is power in prayer? If you don't have a piece of paper, please take out a piece of paper, get a pen, and write this down. If you need a piece of paper, uh, maybe some of our welcome team members could come to the front with the handouts if there are any back there. If there aren't, not a problem. But if, um, if there's any welcome team members that could bring some of the programs to the front, that would be a big help. And if anybody needs a, a, pro, a program, uh, they can write it. Here we go. Here's some right here. Uh, you can just lift your hand if you need a piece of paper, uh, and, and we'll get you a piece of paper. The reason I want you to write this down is because I want you to remember this for the next 40 days. This is the five-point prayer plan of Daniel. Point number one, are you ready? Point number one is persist. Persist. Come all the way to the front. Come all the way to the front and then turn around. And then if anybody needs one, you can raise your hands. All right? Good. There's some back here. Okay, great. All right, point number one on the five-point plan of Daniel is persist. Persistence is the key to progress. I want you to imagine, if you will, for a moment, somebody who wants to get into better physical condition. Maybe they want to lose weight. They want to get stronger. They go to the gym. They work out. They get on the treadmill. They get on the stair climber. They get on the weights. They're there for an entire hour that day. They go home. They go to bed. They get up the next day. They get on the scale, and they go, nothing changed. Exercise doesn't work. Exercise is ineffective. Exercise is inefficient. We would laugh at a person like that because we know that if you want to actually experience the benefit of exercise, it's got to be a consistent pattern. It's got to be persistent. You've got to stay at, at it day after day, week after week, month after month. The thing is, a lot of us want to experience transformation, but we don't want to put in the time. We, we, want, to, we want to throw a Hail Mary every once in a while. We want to say, well, I prayed about that. And the, and the Bible teaches us that if we want to actually experience the power of prayer, we've got to have some persistence in prayer. All of us know that Jesus taught the Lord's Prayer, or the Our Father. And many of us can quote that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, right? What we may not know is what Jesus taught immediately, and I'm not talking about another chapter later, immediately after teaching the prayer. Immediately after teaching the Our Father, Jesus said this in verse uh, Luke eleven five. 5. He said, then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight, and you say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey and has come to me and I don't have any food for them. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. So let me just pause. Let's get the picture here. Jesus is saying, what if you had somebody that, that came to your house at, at, at midnight, right? And they come knocking on the door and say, hey, I need some uh, Pop-Tarts because I got some people coming in from out of town and they need some food tonight. And I just don't happen to have any. If somebody came to my house at midnight while I'm in bed 
First of all, I wouldn't hear them because I'd be sound asleep. But second of all, if they kept banging on the door and they said, hey, we need something from you because we have people coming over and, and we live next door. Even if I like the person, I'd be like, what are you doing? It's midnight. Go home. Feed them in the morning. They're going to be fine. Drink some water. It, 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 you know, kill your, th- your hunger. Right? Jesus said, if somebody says that and they say the door's already locked, my children are in bed, I can't get up and give you anything. Jesus said this, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you keep knocking on the door, even somebody who doesn't want to give you something is ultimately going to say, okay, I'm going to give it to you. If you keep coming after God and saying, God, I'm going to bring this problem to you again. I know I brought it to you yesterday, but I'm going to be persistent in prayer. Do you think my children, if they want something from me, ask it only one time? The answer is no. They come back day after day after day. And they're going to keep coming back until either I give them an unequivocal no, or I say, yes, you can have it. Daniel prayed persistently, consistently, day after day after day after day. Why do we do 40 days of prayer and fasting? We do 40 days of prayer and fasting so that you and I will develop a habit, a pattern of prayer. Persistent prayer. Progress requires persistence. That's number one. Number two, prepare. Prepare. Preparation is the key to performance. You say, what do you mean by that? We all enjoyed watching Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. I'm just going to keep dipping into the Super Bowl the rest, of the, the rest of the sermon. We enjoyed the performance, but what we didn't see was the preparation. When we watch somebody do something great, we enjoy the performance, but what we don't see is the preparation that went into the performance. We see them, we see them doing what they do on the field, but we don't see the hours of game tape, memorizing the playbook, working, drilling over and over and over again. How does this apply to prayer? Well, Daniel actually did his homework before he went and prayed. He read the text before speaking to the teacher. Let me show you what I mean. If you look at uh, Daniel 9, verse 1 through 3, it says this. I, Daniel, understood the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So... I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and in ashes. What what does that tell me? That tells me that that God appreciates when we go and ask him in a way that our ask is aligned with his purpose. What I mean by that is Daniel says... I went and studied the scripture. I looked at the prophet Jeremiah. I've been reading Genesis and Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I know what the law of Moses says. And now when I go to God, I go to God prepared to talk to him in a way that my ask is aligned with his purpose. So so what does this mean for us? This, This means for us that our prayer life needs to be informed by the word of God. If you're going to go speak to an author... It is advisable to have read a little bit of the author's work before you go and speak to that author. If you're going to go meet a painter, it's advisable that you spent a little time studying that that painter's work before going and and talking to that painter. If you're going to go spend time with the creator, it's advisable to spend some time in his most exquisite creation other than you and me. It's the word of God that he's given you. And he's because many of the things that you're going to pray about, he's already answered. So he says, I want you to read this scripture. I want you to be prepared before 
you speak with God. Over and over, we see Daniel quoting scripture in prayer, meaning he's already read the scripture. He has prepared himself for prayer, and now he's going to speak to God in a way where his ask is aligned with God's purpose. We've created a resource for you. Uh, it's on the website. It's on the app, and it's a 40 days of prayer and fasting resource. Every day, we have taken prayers from the scripture, and we put them in the resource. So these are prayers that Moses prayed, Daniel prayed, Abraham prayed, Jesus prayed, Paul prayed. And what we want you to do, my, my prayer would be that you would spend some time reading the scripture and then pray. Spend some time in preparation. Spend some time with the teacher before you go and speak with the teacher. Spend some time in the playbook. So that's number two. Number three, praise. Number three in the, in the, in the program is praise. Why do we praise? Why do we praise at the beginning of prayer? Why is it important that prayer begins with praise? Here's why. Because praise reminds us of God's power. And when we are reminded of God's power, our problems look small in comparison. This is why we start with praise. Because praise fixes our perspective. I'll show you what I mean. Um, when I was in fourth grade, I got an award. Everybody in fourth grade got an award. And some of them got like, you know, best hair, most athletic, nicest teeth, prettiest smile. They all had awards. You know what my award was in fourth grade? Worry wart award. I'm not even joking. My fourth grade teacher was like, and Brent, you get the worry wart award. I was like, first of all, that's insulting. And now I'm worried that you gave me this award because I didn't realize I was worrying so much. And now I'm worried about how much I'm worrying and about how much you think I'm worrying. So apparently my teacher realized that I was somebody who likes to kind of think about all the problems first. I'm somebody who likes to go, huh, but what about this? What about that? So over, over the years, this has just been, this has been the reality about me. I wake up at, sometimes I wake up four or five o'clock in the morning and I'm thinking about all of the challenges, struggles, issues, obstacles that I've got to face. Anybody with me? Is there anybody worriers out there? All right, good. We're together, people. We're, we're the ones that are going to figure this out. You know that, right? Okay. But, I, but, but I, this has just been my nature. This is why I was a pretty good lawyer, because I worried about all the other things that could happen, right? And then we had planned for them. So it's, you know, anyway, that was, that, was, that was my deal. But what I've had to learn to do over the years is that when I get up and I've got a lot of problems on my mind, I go down to my little prayer space and I begin to praise God. Because when I praise God and I start saying, God, you are amazing, God, you are mighty. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You know the end from the beginning. You're all-merciful, God. You're all-wonderful. You love me. Your mercy endures forever. You have all of the power of the past, the present, and the future in your hand. By the time I'm done praising God, my perspective about my problems has changed. It's not that my problems went away. It's that they got puny by comparison to God's power. So that's why we begin with praise, because a lot of times after you've praised God, the problem that you are going to bring to God doesn't seem so pressing after all. Doesn't seem so difficult after all. In fact, when Jesus taught us to pray, remember how, how he said, he said, our Father who art in heaven, the very first thing we say to God is, hallowed be thy name. What does hallowed mean? It means holy, sacred, set apart. It means, it means when we start to pray, we should say, God, you're amazing. You're incredible. You're all-powerful. You are all-righteous. You're God and I am not. You're bigger than my problems. You're way bigger than all of my worries and fears and anxiety. And by the time I figure that and remind myself how, how big God is, then I'm not so worried about 
my problems. Daniel prayed like this. Daniel 9, 4. This is how he started his prayer. Verse 4. He said, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. This is how he starts his prayer. Praise, 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 pray. God, you're amazing. God, you're awesome. God, you're incredible. God, you can do all things. God, you are the end and the beginning. You are mighty. You are the almighty. You're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords, right? So he's praising God because when he's praising God, his perspective is changing. Before you lie down to sleep tonight, here's my assignment for you. Take a moment and write down God's attributes in the second person. Don't write them down like he is, he is. Write down, you are, you are, you are. Write down, before you go to bed tonight, write down, you're amazing. You're perfect. You're all-powerful. You're just. You're righteous. You're kind. Your mercy endures. Just write down the attributes of God that you know in the second person. And when you wake up tomorrow, your problems are not going to seem so big by comparison to God's power. That's number three, praise. Number four, number four, petition. Number four is petition. Petition means that we ask God for what we don't deserve. Petition is based not on our merit, but it's on his mercy. Petition is when we go to God and say, I need something from you. And I'm going to give you three reasons why we don't ask God for what we need. I'm going to give you three reasons. And you can figure out which reason is yours. First reason is pride. Second reason is shame. And the third reason is doubt. Pride. Pride means I don't need his help. Shame means I don't deserve his help. And doubt means I don't believe he can help me. These are the three reasons we do not pray. If you have not prayed about something in your life, it's because of one of these three reasons. You have actually indicated to God that you don't need his help in this problem or that you don't believe you're worthy of his help or you don't believe he can help you. That's what you've communicated to God. Anytime you don't pray about something. Jesus says, you have not, because why? You ask not. He says, but anybody who asks receives, and anybody who seeks finds, and anybody who knocks to him, it shall be open to them. So, so Jesus is saying, and, and the reason that petition comes two slots after preparation is because we don't want to be asking for things that aren't right for us anyway. In fact, James said that. Jesus' brother said that. He said, you have not because you ask not. And sometimes you ask for stuff that you shouldn't ask for because it's, your own, it's for your own pleasure and your own self-aggrandizement. Jesus is saying, listen, I want to give you what you need, but I want you to ask. Why? Why? Because he already knows what we need, right? Our ask is for our change, not for his change. Our ask is so that if we're proud, we can become humble. Our ask is, is so that if we feel condemnation, that we can accept his favor and his grace upon us and we know that he's giving it to us out of his mercy not out of our merit our, our our ask helps us to realign our faith life it helps us to overcome our doubt so jesus says ask and you shall receive here's how daniel petitioned god we're just moving through chapter nine he said this verse 17 now oh, oh now or god our god hear the prayers and petitions of your servant and petition really, down at the root of it, means I know I don't deserve this, but I'm going to ask anyway because of your mercy, not because of my merit. Uh, here are the prayers and petitions of your servant. For your sake, Lord, look with favor on your desolate sanctuary. Give ear, our God, and hear. Open your eyes and see the desolation of the city that bears your name. We do not make requests of you because we are righteous, but because, we, be, but because of your great mercy. Lord, listen. Lord, forgive. Lord, hear and act. For your sake, my God, do not delay because your city and your people bear your name. 
Ask him for what you need. Jesus actually said one time, he said, what man among you, if his son were to ask for an egg, would give him a serpent? You wouldn't do that. He said, if if your son asked for a piece of bread, you wouldn't give him a stone. And then he said, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good things to those who ask? Jesus is teaching us. Daniel is teaching us. God is teaching us. Let's ask for what? We need next to your list of praises tonight write down your list of problems write down your list of problems at your bedside here are my praises here are my problems and what you're gonna find is that God will answer your problems because he has the power to answer your problems which you learned when you started praising him number five last one number five is perceive another way of saying this is pay attention pay attention Prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. Prayer is a dialogue, not a monologue. This is why Jesus always used to say, to him who has ears, let him hear. Jesus knew that about 99% of the population had ears, right? So he's not saying, he's saying if you have ears, because some people have ears, but they don't listen. Come on, somebody. Jesus says, if you have ears, let him hear. Here's, here's, the way, here's the way I like to think about it. Here's my little, my, little, my little visual in my own mind. Ready? Be a fox, not a frog. A fox has, a, has big ears and a small mouth. A frog has a big mouth and small ears. Be a, in prayer, be a fox, not a frog. It's hard to sneak up on a fox because a fox is listening to everything. You, you can't even catch a fox because they're... They're listening. They hear you coming a mile away. But they don't say much. In fact, this, some of y'all know the song. You don't even know what the fox says. Like 14 people are with me right now. The fox has big ears and a small mouth. The frog, we all know, we all know what sound the frog makes because they, they croak all night long, right? They got a big mouth, but they got small ears. That's why you can walk up behind a frog and just pick it up because he didn't hear you coming. In prayer, at a certain point, after you've made your petition and your praise, then you need to pause... And you need to pay attention and perceive what God has to say to you. Because God will speak to you in your heart through, through his word when you take the time. This is, this is why we do prayer and meditation. Prayer is me saying, God, I need this. I want this. I praise you. Right? Meditation is, okay, let me meditate on the word of God. And let me hear what he has to say to me. If you are with somebody who is wiser than you, smarter than you stronger than you it is advisable to spend less time speaking and more time listening this is why when i'm with my coach or my pastor or anybody who is i'm learning from i'm going to put out the bare minimum of what i need to say and then i'm going to spend the rest of my time listening god will answer those who listen that's number five and here's the exciting part i'm going to close with this the exciting part is that when we follow daniel's pattern we begin to experience daniel's results We begin to see our lives be transformed like the way Daniel's life was transformed. Daniel 6 verse 19 says this. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. Daniel had been thrown into the lion's den because that's the trap that was set for him. Darius, the king, loved Daniel and did not want him to get eaten by the lions. He spent all night. He actually fasted. The king fasted for Daniel. Couldn't eat. Couldn't sleep king got up hurried to the lion's den when he came near the lion's den he called to daniel in an anguished voice 
Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? Did it work, Daniel? Was God with you, Daniel? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I want what Daniel had. I want your life to look like Daniel's life. I want our church's life to look like the life of Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, all of the young people that were in exile in Babylon who were fasting and praying and serving God. So you say, okay, well, what, what, what did it look like? What was the outcome? What were the results of Daniel's practice and pattern of prayer? Last part, ready? Protection, power, and prosperity. This is what Daniel experienced. Verse 23, ready? When Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. That's protection. God had shut the mouths of the lions. Verse 26, the king says, I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. That's power. Everybody had to say, Daniel, who do you worship? Because I'm going to worship him. That's influence. That's power. That's what, that's what Daniel experienced as a result. Verse 28. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and also the reign of Cyrus the Persian. That's prosperity. When we spend our time bowing before God in a pattern of prayer, our life begins to change. Not from one little trip to the gym, not from one little trip to the prayer closet, but when we establish a pattern of prayer, Every day, every week, every month, we align our prayers with God's word, our lives begin to be transformed. If you hear one thing from me today, it is this. There is power in prayer. There's protection in prayer. There is provision in prayer. There's prosperity in prayer. God wants each and every one of our lives to be transformed by our union with him, by our intimacy with him. And the only way we get that is on our knees by saying, God, I am with you. I am for you. I'm on your side. I want you in my life. I praise you for who you are. I bring you my problems, God. I get down on my knees. I trust you, my God. And I'm going to keep persevering. I'm going to keep knocking on the door. Last question. What would it look like if a church community was committed, committed deeply to a pattern of prayer? What would it look like if a whole church family a whole church community did this together. I'll tell you what it would look like. There's a scripture that says, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear their cry. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. That's what it looks like. How do we open God's blessing? How do we open God's heart? How do we open the windows of heaven? We do it on our knees. We say, God, we are with you. And not only do we open his heart, but we shut the mouths of lions. Let's take a moment. Let's bow our heads now. Let's pray.
God, you are righteous and good. You are holy. We love you. We honor you. I pray that during this 40 days of prayer and fasting, during this launch of life groups, you would renew in us a deep hunger and desire to pursue you with everything we've got. We would come after you, Lord God, with every part of our being, soul, mind, body, spirit. Our hearts would be open to you. We would prepare ourselves in your word. We would prepare ourselves, Lord God, by reading your word, by reading the playbook of scripture, by coming to you, Lord God, and asking for what we need, by praising you with our heart, by opening our lives to you, Lord God, and persevering in prayer. I pray that you would reach down, Lord God, and you would hear our cry and you would transform our lives and transform the circumstances of our lives. I pray that One Family Church would be a, a, a font of transformation across this city because there are a group of people here committed to you through prayer and fasting. We love you, we honor you, we trust you, and God, we obey you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen.